I'm really starting to enjoy this. Um, you know, the first night I did this, it was so weird because um, the following day I, I went to the office to edit the quote unquote podcast and it was a lot more work than I expected. You know, like I had to, because there was like a huge audio file and I, I haven't edited video in like years. And I went in and I was like, cool, what apps do I have to edit video? And I remember when I remember when, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, we had I've always I I tried editing video like gunshots and stuff, you know, and I I used a program called Adobe After Effects. And so, you know, that was my my first instinct. I was like, okay, cool, let's go download Adobe After Effects. And I downloaded After Effects and I was like, this is way too complicated just to edit like a simple video. You know, and I was like, okay, cool. But, you know, I already, I already downloaded the app and it was like gigabyte. Like, I don't know. I think it was like three gigabytes or something. And I wasted all this time and I was like, cool, I'm just going to edit the video in After Effects. And I was like, all right, uh, how do I, and, and I clicked the render button and I was like, okay, it's going to take a while. It literally said estimated time, like one hour or something. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to leave it and go for lunch. When I came back, my computer said, you're out of memory. And at first I was like, are you, are you kidding me? How is it possible that I'm out of memory? And I clicked on the video file and the video file was like 300 gigabytes. And then I realized that if you are on After Effects and you decide to render the video uh, without using something called Adobe uh, something encoder, media encoder or something, it saves the file as lossless, which is like, you know, like hi-fi music, you know, it's like, no data is lost at all and it's like impossible to use because like what like <laughs> i don't need a lossless video you know and uh i spent the whole afternoon trying to render the video and it finally worked and i know in the last video the last podcast i said i will link some photos uh but i i didn't end up doing that because i was just so i was just so frustrated with not frustrated but i was just so overwhelmed with editing video i was like ah cool we'll just we'll do it next time but tonight we are drinking beer we are not drinking the other night we we're drinking uh something a little bit stronger and as you can see like i felt like the other night i was too serious like i feel like i gotta take a chill pill lay back a little bit and that's why like the camera is a little bit further away not all up in my face and yeah it's just I, you know I, i'm really really enjoying this you know and uh, i thought tonight would be a good opportunity uh, for me to talk about another thing that is really really um, dear to me and also it was a really big part of my life and that was going to boarding school uh, you know leaving my family for the first time uh, ever you know i uh, so if you guys didn't know uh, i went to a boarding school in australia called aquinas college and it, first of all it was one of my the best experiences in my life like i met some of the greatest people i've ever met uh did some of the greatest things i've ever done it it was a great experience but at the time it was also one of the most challenging things i've ever i've ever done in my life and uh so i was 16 at the time and you know maybe you know maybe i should give you some context uh about high school in malaysia um uh, I'm sure some some people listening to this are from Malaysia and, and they've been through the system. 
but for my dear friends in Australia who have not been through the system, uh, been through or are, are not familiar with the Malaysian way of educating people in high school, let me explain it to you. And first of all, uh, high schools in Malaysia, you have to do, I think it's 11 subjects or, or 12 or 13. I, I don't quite remember. And you, you go to school. I think it's like seven. I used to remember waking up at like 6.30 and I think school starts at seven and it ends at like 1 p.m. in the afternoon. But because you've got so many subjects, most of the time the teachers would say, you know, stay back. Uh, you you would have to do some extra curricular classes just to, just to catch up because, you know, the workload is so big. And, you know, me growing up, I... You know, I, I was never really cool. You know, I, I, I was never really good at sports growing up, and I didn't really fit in. You know, it, it, I just never really fit in at all, and mostly because of that is. So I'm Chinese, uh, but I'm from Malaysia, and you know, this is by the way, this is a very big um, talking point when I'm when I'm in Australia, and you know, it's the thing that look, I ethnically I'm Chinese. I was born in Malaysia and if you and so I don't identify as a person from mainland China you know like I don't I am not from China literally I am not I speak Chinese I know some of the traditions my family practices the traditions uh, passed down from our ancestors but I am like fourth generation Malaysian like I think my great either my great or my great great grandfather came here as a refugee in like 18 something I don't even I don't Maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's 19 something. I don't know. <laughs> I suck at history and I suck at geography. Those are not my strong suits. But um, yeah, they came over and it's it's so weird because, you know, my, cult my culture, like, it's just, it's really, it, Malaysia is a really cool place to live. Like, the culture is so hybrid and so intertwined. There is no real, like, you know, I'm Chinese. We celebrate, you know, Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year every year. We still have some of the traditions. We still have some of the superstitions. But if you were to set, like, this is, and this astounds me. Like, when I was in Perth, uh, when I was in Australia, people could tell, like, I was not from mainland China. And that was the most crazy thing. Because, like, <laughs> like they just, they could tell, you know, like, I'm, yeah, it's a really cool. But, you know, apart from that, like, I am Chinese. I do speak Chinese, but my Chinese is really, really bad because I, I I gave up studying Chinese early on, and my main language has always been English. And you know, I this is my the language I think in. This is the language I speak to myself in, and it's it's really weird because I don't have a specific accent. You know, like my English is. I don't know what it is, but it is the language I speak the most. And also, a lot of people would say my accent is superficial. And in some ways, it is, but I'm not faking this. Like, the only reason why I don't have a Malaysian accent right now is because I don't think in a Malaysian accent, you know? Uh, when I but, but if I get, like, a my friend here, if I get a friend onto this podcast who is from Malaysia, then the Malaysian accent is going to come out a little bit and uh, we probably we are probably going to speak like we are at the Kopitiam. But 
at the same time, like if I was to do this podcast in a Malaysian accent, like that, I, I, I would physically feel like I'm faking it, you know, but when I speak like this, I'm not like, because this is how I, this is the accent I think to myself in, you know, and when I'm in Australia, like, of course, like some, uh, you tend to want to use some more mannerisms that are suitable for that place. And sometimes weird accents come out, but it is what it is. And I'm, I'm not here to try try to be fake. I'm, I'm here trying to have a good time. Wow, I really skewed. I don't even know what I was talking about. Ah, yes, fitting in. So I never really fit in because, you know, I, I, most people here, you know, they, they speak Chinese and my Chinese was never really good. And so I didn't, on the language part, I, already there was like a barrier. And on top of that, like, I was never really interested in doing anything that was considered like cool here, you know, like when I was in high school, like the cool kids would be like the basketball players, um, the sportsmen, the runners, you know, all these people would be the cool kids. And so I was never the cool kid, you know, uh, I, I, I did like public speaking and storytelling competitions I wasn't cool, you know, at all. But I, I did have a really good time in my time in high school in Malaysia. Uh, so especially my last year in high school in Malaysia, which was Form 3, which is equivalent to Year 9. Uh, so Year 9 was my final year uh, in high school in Malaysia in the government system. And I had a blast. I really, I had a blast. I had a, a girlfriend. I had, a girl, I had a girlfriend, uh, like a high school girlfriend. Uh, I had like, I had a really close group of friends and we would do like the most stupid shit at school ever. And I know that, uh, so in year nine in Malaysia, we have a, a exam, public exam called PMR. I don't, I don't even know what it stands for anymore, but man, I, I fucked this exam. Like I was never a stupid kid. I always got it in school, but I fucked this exam. Like I lit, I remember the day I went to get my results and they gave me like a slip of paper, which showed my results. And I remember I tore it up. Like those were my official results, <laughs> like my official result. And I tore it up and I threw it away. I, f I fucked it, man. And the reason why I fucked it was because I, I had too much fun. And, uh, a real tragedy happened uh, in year nine. Uh, again, a story for another day because we're here to talk about boarding school. Uh, a few of my friends died in a car crash, in an accident. And that really gave me like a kick in the balls, man. That was like my wake up call. And it was like, hey, man, you better get moving. And uh, yeah, that, that segued me into uh, my family saying, hey, why don't you go to boarding school in Australia? And at first, you know, I, 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 if you ask me now, like, I actually don't know why I said yes, but the fact of the matter is I did. And I, I was 16 at the time. And, uh, yeah, I was like, Hey, do you want to leave your family to go try this thing out in Perth, uh, Australia? And, uh, I did it. And, you know, that was a really tough time for me, uh, for reals. And by the way, like, again, like, I'm on this podcast talking about, like, how I'm going through relationship issues now. I was really sad as a 16-year-old who left home. And, like, 
I sound like a pussy, man. Honestly, like, you know, there are a lot of people in the world who have gone through, who have, who are, and are going to go through far greater hardships than me. And they're not complaining. But, you know, we experience life in our own bubbles. We are born into this earth and we encapsulate this piece of the universe as ourselves. And we live in this perception. And so we're doing the best we can, you know, like I, I understand that my problems are minuscule in comparison to greater issues in life, but um, it's not that I'm not. It's not that I'm not empathetic uh, to other people. It's just that you know, however much I want to be empathetic, I I can't because that's truly that's I don't have. Maybe it's because I haven't got that level of grace to extend my life to a level where it encapsulates someone else. But you know, all I can say now is, I, this is the life I perceive, and I'm just. I'm here trying to do the best I can. And if, you know, yeah. So <laughs> I was 16. I remember the day I was at the airport and, you know, I could say goodbye to my brothers. You know, I could say goodbye to anyone. But the hardest goodbye was the goodbye to my dad because, you know, my dad is a is a traditional Asian dad, you know. Uh, but although... He is, uh, he is, you know, my dad does show love and care and compassion, but, you know, he does have that persona of wanting to uphold this image of like masculinity and emotional security and stability. And so I, I remember this so clearly. I was, I was at the airport and, you know, we were about to leave. And I say we because, you know, my mom and my grandma went with me the first time around just to help me set up you know, at the school and everything. And I remember, you know, my, my dad, the drive to the airport was already really hard because I was trying to keep it together, you know. But when we got to the airport, you know, I, I hugged my dad. I, I got off the car and I, I went into the um, uh, terminal and, uh, you know, everything was checked in and we were about to line up to have our boarding passes validated so that we could enter the departure hall. And, you know, at an airport, like, like the departure hall is like the place where, you know, once you step into the depart the departure hall, you're sort of like, sayonara, baby, you're out of here. You know, like it's official that you're out of here. But before you step in there, you know, you can still interact with the people outside and you know do all these things. And I remember so clearly, um, I, I said goodbye to my dad, and you know, you could still see the. So this was the departure hall, and there were glass windows all around here. And this is where the cars would leave. And I remember so clearly uh, my dad leaving. And I had already said goodbye, my dad leaving. And I was like, all right, Nathan, you have to you have to man up. You have to do this. And But deep down, you know, I really wanted to just have like one last goodbye with my dad. And I remember as I was about to walk into the departure hall, my dad's car came around again. And I was able to have that one last goodbye with my dad before I left for boarding school. And that was really meaningful for me, you know. And so we flew to Perth. And when we got there, um, we went to school. And uh, yeah, my uh, after we set everything up, my parents, my, my mom and my grandma, they left. And uh, that was that. I was uh, 16, alone in a foreign place. I've never, I've been out of the country, but I've never been in a place where it's just all Caucasian people or like white people. You know, I, I, I think I've been to Japan, 
uh, Europe. But, you know, that was like a holiday, you know. It's not like you're engulfed in like a different culture. And, uh, yeah, like, um, I, I don't even really know where to start. Like, it was a really interesting journey. And, um, but yeah, there, there were some really dark times, you know. And so I remember in my boarding school dorm room, I put up a piece of paper and the piece of paper was literally like a calendar and it marked down the days I had until I could leave home for the holidays. And I think like every term was like 60 days or something. You know, and 60 days really isn't that long. But at the time, you know, it felt like an eternity, man. Like it, it felt so long. And in boarding school, uh, you know, the room was like a shoebox, you know. And, uh, and actually the in boarding school we did call the room the the rooms so the rooms were like in a in a row right like this was a room there's a room next to it and a room next to that and it was like in a row and the rooms in the middle they had less space so they were literally called like a shoebox you know and the room is it's literally a rectangle it had a bed on one corner like on one side of the room the door was like right there. There were no locks on the door. So if you had your dick in your hand and some guy walked in, they would literally see you with your dick in your hand. Like there was, there was, there were no locks. Uh, the bed was right here. And oh, by the way, it was all boys boarding school. You know, I've always been at a co-ed school and this was a boys school, you know, and on the right side, it was a desk. And next to the desk was like a tiny cupboard. And that was your room. Like that was your room. And I don't think when I went to boarding school, I don't think uh, there were individual air conditioning units in the room. And, you know, like the climate in Australia on some days, it's not very forgiving, man. You get some really cold mornings and you get some really, really, really hot days. And I remember in winter on some of the really cold mornings, like uh, because like, there were there was only centralized air conditioning and sometimes the people who worked there you know they'd forget to turn it on and after a certain hour like there wouldn't they would there there would not be staff around the boarding school so you'd just be alone you know, like the kids would just be alone and you know when the centralized air conditioning wasn't on i tucked myself in my blanket and you know because the bed was up against the wall i would tuck the blanket all around me and I would rub, I would push myself, like my, my, my arm and my leg up against the wall. So I felt like there was something pushing back, you know, just it, you know, it's not like, clearly it's not like a person or something, you know, but it's just like when you're at a time when you're so alone and, you know, you, you're not self-sufficient when you're literally like a child, like this gave me a lot of comfort, like to be able to lean against the wall, you know, that gave me a lot of comfort. And you know if anyone out there is going is gonna go to boarding school or is at a place where you know maybe they're, they're going to university and you know they're going through like homesickness um you know it's it's natural you know like i was homesick for a very long time and uh to, to be honest it's not just homesick it's also like culture shock you know like because yeah you miss your family but you also you're also in a place where the culture, the people, the mannerisms are completely different. So, you know, because if you, if you grow up in a place for 16 years, you're used to how things 
run in that place for 16 years. And if you don't have a strong sense of self, if you don't have a strong sense of who you are, what you're worth, then, you know, if you expect something to happen a certain way and the whole environment is something that's different, like it really fucks with your head, you know, especially with like how jokes are made, you know, in Australia, man, you motherfuckers have a really, really brutal sense of uh, a sense of comedy. You know, I remember some guy was like, oh, you you Asian motherfucker or you chink. And yeah, I took it the wrong way because I wasn't I felt offended, you know, because, you know, I was really defensive. You know, because like when you're at a place where you're you're a kid and you're weak and you don't really know what to do and you're in a new place and these kids, they're all friends, you know, like they're all friends. They're all from the country. Um, they're like cowboys and they're, they're just having a great time talking about footy, talking about girls. And you're just there like you're just a tiny Asian guy with a tiny Asian dick. And, and they're like, oh, man, Samantha's so hot. You know, I banged her last week or, or something like this or like, oh, the footy game's so cool. And like they're on the footy field. And I'm just here. I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to play this sport? Because I'm going to I'm going to get slaughtered, you know? And yeah, like, you know, when you're at, at a place where the culture is so different, like. It's just a shock to you, you know, it takes some time to get used to. And the idea of like being homesick, like, man, like, please, if you're feeling homesick right now, please cut yourself some slack, man. Like, of course, you're going to feel homesick, like that's the place you learned to love. That's the place you learned how to do things. That's the place where the people who love you are at, you know, like it's natural to feel homesick. And uh, like the only advice I can give anyone if they're going through like something like this, if they're homesick or if they're at a place in their life where they feel down, you know, the, the, there are levels to how you feel as a person, you know, you have your physical body, you have your emotions, your thoughts, and you know, there are levels to this. And so if your emotions are in turmoil, you know, you're homesick, you're experiencing culture shock, or you know, you're going through a breakup, or it doesn't matter what you're doing. If your emotions are at whack, you can't fix your emotions just like that. You know, you can think wonderful thoughts, but unless you have a really, oh man, if you've really, unless you've really built up a sense of like willpower to fight your subconscious mind, you cannot change your emotions. And so the only thing you can do is, yeah, have good thoughts, but is to put your body to work. Because when your body is working, then you build better memories. If you build better memories, then you validate yourself. If you validate yourself, your emotions get rewritten. So you get the ball rolling, you know? So if you're going through something, the most important thing is you have to be yes to life. You know, you can't be at a place where you're like, okay, I'm feeling homesick. I'm just going to lie here watching Netflix with a sack of potato chips and, you know, suck. Like, what's the word? Sulk? You know, just being, being feeling shit about yourself, you know, having that sense of self-pity. You know, you just have to be yes to life. And that means like going out there and doing things, you know? And when I was in, in boarding school, like, man, like, you got to understand, like, I, I grew up in a tiny town. And, you know, you know what? I need to stop saying tiny town because it's not that tiny. You know, it's more like a tiny city. You know, like when I was when I was in Perth and I said I came from a tiny town and, you know, the people there, you know, in boarding school, a lot of people came from the bush. You know, they came from like, how do I explain the bush to people who are not from Australia? They came from the outskirts of town from the country 
yeah, you know, they came from the country and they're like, oh, hey, Nathan, nice to meet you. And I'm like, yeah, I hey, my name's Nathan. I come from a small town, you know? And they're like, oh, cool. How many people are in your town? And I'm like, oh, like 300,000. And they're like, that's not a small town, man. Like, and their town, when their definition of a small town would be like some country down south, which has like 600 people and like one row of shops, now that's a small town. And so, yeah, I should really stop calling it a small town. It's more like a small city. But yeah, you know, I came from a small city, a really conservative well, it's, you know, it's growing now. It's changing. You know, peop everywhere in the world, people are getting more more um, progressive. So it's changing now. But yeah, you know, it used to be very conservative. And that conservatism means my parents were really protective of me. It meant I didn't had have I didn't have the chance to go catch a movie with my friends until I was like 16. You know, it's and I've never. And by the way, I hate nature. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I'm saying this, but I don't hate nature. It's just like I don't like I don't like being in the outdoors. I, I like I like being in a controlled environment. And I, I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to I'm trying to break free. I'm trying to expand my comfort zone. I'm going hiking next week. Uh, I, I, you know, I love the sunlight and everything, but I don't like it when it's like bugs and mud. And I don't like that. You know, like it's just okay. And so when I was in boarding school, like the first week was really tough, man. And going back to the idea of being yes to life, like, so some guy rocked up, I think he was, um, he rocked up and he was like, hey, do you want to join the rowing team? And I was like, the rowing team, the rowing, I, I've never, I've never, I've, I, at that point, I had never been on the water before in my life. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the rowing team. And then. Another person was like, hey, do you want to join the, the choir, uh, the, the boys ensemble? I was like, cool, I'll do that. And, and another group came up and I was like, hey, do you want to join the musical? I'm like, yes, I'll do that. Do you want to play badminton? Yes, I'll do that. Do you want to try and play the cello? And I'm like, yes, I'll do that. And, you know, it really progressed me forward, you know, because like when you have things going on in your life to distract you from like the pain of something like leaving home, even if you... Like, I was so busy to a point where, like, I didn't have time to feel shit about myself. And, you know, that's not... In in the long run, if you do that without self-reflection, you know, that's a really toxic way to live and you would probably end up in a very depressed place in your life. But with the necessary amount of self-reflection, it, it can be very, very healthy for you. Because, you know, when you're busy, you have no time to be sad and you have no if you have no time to be sad then your emotions will slowly rescind and you you can slowly reprogram your subconscious with better memories with better emotions and i feel like the step that and also like let me just clarify this like this for me was a short-term fix like yes i was very busy i was entertained i wasn't feeling sad but once i achieved like for example when the choir the the boys ensemble will be like okay on the the 30th of March, you would have to sing at this event. And, you know, I'll be so psyched up about that event and I'll be, I'll be practicing with the team. And when that event came and after I sang in that event, I felt empty again because like I achieved it, you know, there's, you know, I felt down again. So that's why you need to have the sense of self-reflection. You have to be like, okay, cool. I achieved this. I'm very proud of myself. And you have to take inventory of yourself again, you know? And I feel like I was in this cycle for for like the first year really and only in the second year when I when I went back home and I 
appreciated the beautiful things here where I took for granted before I left and also appreciated the things I took for granted when I was in Perth and reconciled everything. That was when I truly broke free. That was when I was like in boarding school and I was happy. I was joyful and I was just, my days became shorter. They weren't, you know, super depressing or super long. And yeah, you know, and I feel like in anything in life, you know, if you're at a place where your emotions and your thoughts are not in check, you have to do something physical. But once you do something physical, you have to open yourself up to vulnerability again and you have to reconcile your emotions. Because if you don't do that, then you don't you don't take inventory. You know, it's like it's like saying like you, you it's like, you know, you get a million dollars, but you don't plan out how you're going to spend that million dollars. And so you just you just have it there, you know, it's really empty, you know, and yeah, that got me through boarding school. And again, um, when you're down in life, ask for help, man, like don't don't have like this ego about yourself. Like, I'm, man, I used to I used to be controlled by my ego and, you know, the you just have to open yourself up to asking for help. Like when I was there. And I was sad. I didn't hide it. You know, like when I felt shitty, I cried. I cried in front of the boys. And it was a boys boarding. Like it was a men's, not men's. It was a boys boarding school. It was an all boys boarding school. And like I was just some Asian guy crying in front of everyone. And like you, I felt like I couldn't, you, you can't hide that vulnerability in your life. You just have to, you just have to open yourself up and you have to ask for help. Because when you don't ask for help, like you you get consumed by your negativity, you know, because, you know, things may be going great in your life, you know, and the only reason why you're feeling bad is because of yourself. And if you don't have good, reliable people in your life telling you what's what, people you can trust, then it's really hard from you, for you to move move forward in your life because you either get stuck in a place or you go down and onto a path where you're just full of your own delusions. So you need accountable people in your life. And the only way for you to get accountable people in your life is if you ask for help, you know, and sometimes you may get really bad help and it doesn't matter, you know, like, and sometimes you may get really good help, which you, you should be very grateful for, you know. And for the most part, you know, going through boarding school, it taught me that there are good people in the world, that there are people who are willing to help, people who are great, uh, who are gracious, people who are, um, selfless and um you know i owe a lot to aquinas college because it really built up my character of what it means to be an accountable person of what it means to be responsible to be a man and when i look back right now like it's <laughs> some of the best memories in my life you know like um when i finally got into the flow of things when i made real connections and real friends it's it turned into something beautiful so you know no matter what's going on in your life right now you know you have to be able to to see that you know it's your life is as beautiful or as terrible as you make it to be you know like if you wake up in the morning and you say to yourself and you believe the fact that you are deserving of a wonderful life and that no matter what happens in your life, you will get that sense of achievement, that sense of happiness, then you, that's the story of your life. But 
if you wake up in the morning and you're impulsive and you're and you just respond to the to the world instead of being um, proactive you know instead of being proactive if you're reactive you know if you wake up and say something bad happens like the air conditioning stops working and you let yourself be defined by that and you make and you personal personalize everything then this would be your detriment because you just gotta keep moving you just gotta keep moving forward you know and yeah um and that's boarding school if you enjoyed this episode of the rabbit hole podcast please hit the subscribe button uh i'm sorry if you know and they say don't they, they say you know when i when i used to do like public speaking they say don't apologize to the audience which i feel is total bullshit you know because like yeah when hitler i'm sorry i'm sorry i said that you know that's a bad example but yeah when hitler gave his speeches he didn't apologize but that's because he was a psychopath narcissist you know and trying to manipulate people you know when when you know when great leaders speak they don't apologize to people i get that you know but we're not trying to give a speech on like revolutionizing the world we're trying to give we're trying to have an authentic conversation and in doing so you know i i, I should be able to apologize so you know i apologize if this podcast is this episode of the podcast is not very structured or organized and that is mainly because like again i'm winging it and (laughs) this is taking form you know this is really its conception you know it will get better i will be getting guests into this podcast and uh, we will have more meaningful conversations in the future so if you enjoyed this episode of the rabbit hole podcast please hit the subscribe button down below if you have any questions if you want me to talk about a specific topic, if there's anything you would like to know, leave it in the comments. But other than that, whatever you're going through right now, know that better times are in the future. Know to keep moving forward. And no matter what you're doing, make sure to go a little bit further and to dive in to the rabbit hole. Take care, everybody. Thank you and have a good night.